Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me as always is Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Sorry I interrupted your drink of water there. It's all right. (laughs) We're finished with our series on the Holy Spirit now. Hopefully it was enjoyable to you. If not, you can send Matthew hate mail. Uh, He'll give you the address at the end so that you can send it. In the meantime, if you're listening, make sure you like or subscribe to our podcast on whatever podcast catcher you listen to us on. Encourage you to, if you enjoy an episode or enjoy the entire podcast, to share it with your friends. We would be eternally grateful for that. Did I cover all the housekeeping bases? I think you did. Yeah. I want to say it sometimes at the beginning because, you know, I don't listen to the end of the podcast, so. I understand. But if you want to know the address, you have to listen all the way to the end until Matthew gives the address. Today, uh, we're going to talk about what can be a touchy subject. It was inspired by an article that I saw on Facebook and especially the discussion underneath it. The article was in Christianity Today. And it was about, it was entitled, Divorcing an Abusive Spouse is Not a Sin. And before we go any further, just so everyone is knows where we're at, we're agreeing with the headline in the article, It is Not a Sin to uh, Divorce an Abusive Spouse. Uh, but some of the comments underneath this post in Facebook were the kind you shake your head at. It was things like, give me a chapter and verse and things like that. And it's not that there aren't proof texts, you know. It's not that proof texts are necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes your theological, biblical beliefs can't be encapsulated in just one biblical text where it's just plain. You just read the thing and it's there plain as day and you understand what it means and move on. And I think that's the case when it comes to divorce. You need to understand the whole Bible's teaching on divorce. And it's not really helpful to just throw out verses in that case. It's going to take some going through the Bible. It's going to take some studying and some thinking through what the Bible says to actually come to those conclusions. It's not as simplistic as as quoting 2 Timothy 3. 16 to say that the Bible's inspired by God. That's pretty easy. It's plain and black and white, easy to understand. Now, there are some easy things to understand about divorce that you could just give a proof text to and move on, uh, but I don't think this is one of those issues. The very fact that they're just asking for proof text shows that there's not, to me, it seems that there's not much thought going into what the article was arguing and uh, what what the Bible says about divorce overall. Before we go any further, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 19. Uh, this is the major section where Jesus teaches on divorce. We'll begin reading in verse 3. The Pharisees came up to him, that is Jesus, and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, 
and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. There are other parallel passages in in, the Gospels as well, but this is, I think, the lengthiest uh, teaching section. There are a couple things I think we need to know before we talk about this passage. And one is that there was an ongoing debate between the Pharisees about the interpretation of Deuteronomy chapter 24. Right. And the Pharisees are trying to drag Jesus into that debate to see which side of the debate he's on. That's that's what the question is about. If you look at Deuteronomy 24, it says something about for any cause and indecency, right? Mm-hmm. So one side emphasized the any cause, and so they essentially believed in no-fault divorce. You could divorce your wife for any reason that you'd like as long as you give her a certificate of divorce and send her away. The other side, though, believed, focused on the indecency, or it was, I think, interpreted as fornication. They focused on that and said that was the only reason for getting divorced. They wanted Jesus' answer to that, and Notice that Jesus doesn't even go to Deuteronomy chapter 24. He actually goes to Genesis and says that God created man and woman in the beginning, and that's where the marriage was first instituted at the very beginning. And from the beginning, they were supposed to be one flesh. They were leaving their parents, cleaving to one another, and becoming one flesh. And then based on that, Jesus says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So Jesus is coming down very strictly on divorce. He's obviously not siding with those who say divorce can be for any reason whatsoever. Um, he's very, it's very strict. So we already know up front, any exceptions are going to be very narrow. I think that's the first thing that we can say. Now, they question Jesus They say in verse 7, why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away if if we're not allowed to get divorced? Because I think that's the way they were understanding it. But Jesus says it's because of the hardness of your heart. Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. If you actually look at at Deuteronomy chapter 24, Deuteronomy chapter 24 isn't even about how to properly divorce your wife. It's a hypothetical situation that if a wife gets, if one man divorces his wife and she marries another man and that man divorces her, the first man can't remarry her. That's the point of the passage. It's really not explaining how to get divorced. There's a lot of conditional statements there. The main idea, though, is that a man can't remarry a woman he's divorced if she's already been divorced and remarried to someone else. I don't think it says abomination, but it's corrupting and stuff like that is, is what the Bible says. Divorce was never intended from the beginning. God's intent for marriage was that it be permanent, 
But because of the hardness of heart, it was permitted. And I think the hardness of heart isn't just that he's not saying that you guys were so stubborn that I had to let you divorce. It's that the idea is because of sin. It sounds to me like what is being said here is that God permitted divorce because of sinfulness. And he says in verse 9, sexual immorality is one of those things. Do you have anything to add to my explanation there before I move on? No, I just think that is a it's a good primer on understanding the root causes what Jesus is actually saying in, in Matthew 19. And then just to back up a little bit, I think one of the things we have to understand is when we get talk about proof texts, it's just... People want to take the, even take Matthew 19, and they want to turn it into a proof text. Right. And, and that's why we're going to go deeper than just that. Right. And so I think the challenge is understanding that point of a proof text sometimes can simply be that they use a proof text as a gotcha or that they <laughs> don't understand the whole contextual flow of Scripture and they just want... They just want to make this one statement because they're trying to make it easy because ultimately, this comes from my fundamentalist background, we want to, they want to see Scripture as black and white. This, this you do, this you don't do. In reality, life isn't lived mostly black and white. It's lived in shades of gray. Yeah. And well, while people would disagree with you, I think it's very difficult to actually read the flow of Scripture and not come away with understanding that idea. And that applies also to divorce. Divorce is the result of a sinful world, right? But and sometimes divorce is because particular marriages are ended for sinful reasons. Right. A lot of people read this passage in Matthew 19 and suggest, and other places in the Gospels that say basically the same thing, and suggest that this this is the only allowed reason for divorce. D- Jesus is saying here that there's only one reason, right? The problem with that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul gives another reason for divorce. So if, you're, if you understand Jesus is saying this is the absolute only reason to get a divorce, now you have a problem. Mm-hmm. So who are you going to believe here, Paul or Jesus? Instead of making Jesus say that this is the exclusive and only reason to get divorced, I think you just need to get rid of that idea and say Jesus was answering the specific question that they were dealing with. He was rejecting no-fault divorce, showing that getting divorced shouldn't happen uh, among believers, but because of sin, sometimes it, it must happen. Right. So don't if you understand Jesus is saying this is the only reason, you run into problems when you get to 1 Corinthians 7, and Paul says this in verse 15, But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Paul, in this passage, is talking about believers and unbelievers being married. Now, Christians, we don't believe that believers should marry unbelievers, but sometimes it happens, or sometimes two unbelievers get married and one is saved during the marriage, and the unbelieving spouse wants out. And what Paul is saying is, you're not enslaved in that case. Divorce is okay. It's not, it's not sinful. Divorce, though it's still a consequence of living in a sinful, fallen world. If we went, 
weren't in a sinful fallen world, that wouldn't have happened. But it's not may not be the believer's particular sin that's causing the divorce in this case. So a lot of people will call this abandonment, and so abandonment is another reason, another if you get divorced because your spouse abandoned you, it's not sinful, right? Right, right. And then just to make sure we make this clear, what we're saying is it's not okay. So in that situation, it's not okay for the believer to divorce the unbeliever. But if the unbeliever divorces the believer, then that's that's the situation that Paul is actually talking about. So the, we're not. So it's not. It's very narrow. And because in other places, is it in First Peter? I think it's where First Peter. Peter says that if you stay in the marriage, even if the, even if your spouse is an unbeliever, you you stay in the marriage. So it only works one way; it doesn't work the other way. Right. And now, if if you want to get on technicalities, right? Let's say the unbelieving spouse abandons you and leaves you and right, doesn't right. seek a divorce, right. that doesn't mean you have to stay. Correct. At it's that okay point, for you to go. Correct. But the problem is you, the believer leaving right. and getting divorced. Right. Yeah. So what usually happens in discussions about whether it's okay to get divorced for abusive situations is that they'll expand, and this is what the article in Christianity Today did. And while I agree with the main point, of Christianity Today's article, I disagree with the, how their their argument. They expanded the definition of abandonment to include abuse. We actually don't see anywhere in the Bible where it talks about abuse, and part of that reason is because of the culture of the time where uh, men had the power. It would be men seeking the divorce, and most of the time domestic violence doesn't happen because women are abusing their husbands, it's usually husbands abusing their wives. So that might be one reason why it's never discussed. But what I'm arguing is not that abandon- the term abandonment should be um, expanded to include abuse. My argument is that the Bible isn't saying that these are the only two reasons that you can get divorced and not sin. I'm saying that there, there may be others now, what I said at the beginning with what Jesus said, and with what Paul says too, because he says to the married, I'd give this charge. The wife should not separate from her husband. If she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Paul's just as being just as strict as Jesus. You should not get a divorce, okay? Divorce shouldn't be an option under normal circumstances. Uh, things should be work through. Reconciliation should be sought. Counseling should be looked into so that you can get the help you need to stay together under ordinary circumstances. But adultery, abandonment, and abuse, I don't think are ordinary circumstances. I think the Bible is teaching, the New Testament especially, is teaching that there's very narrow reasons to get divorced. It can't be expanded indefinitely to include any reason. And that's probably more important to focus on than than saying, well, the Bible gives two acceptable reasons why you can get a divorce, and that's all. Those are the only two reasons. I don't think that's what the Bible is trying to teach in this case. The way of saying it is that the Bible is against no-fault divorce. 
the Bible's against getting divorced because you fell out of love or something like that. There has to be some, it has to be something big like adultery, abandonment, or abuse in order for a person to legitimately, biblically obtain a divorce. Yeah, I, if I'm honest, I'm, there might be another, but other than those three, I would struggle to find an acceptable reason for divorce outside of those three. There might be another one. Addiction, possibly. Possibly. See, here we but go. Here we go alliterating things again. <laughs> We're Baptists. Right. So, yeah. But, yeah, you can you can say addiction, but you can also, this might be a little bit outside where we were headed, but I think you can take addiction. In some ways, addiction can fold into abandonment on some level, possibly, depending on how you define abandonment. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's obviously possible. But you, then you could say adultery is abandonment, too, because you abandon your wedding this vows. This is true. And, <laughs> so, right. I, I think it's better to stick to the definitions of what these things are than try to broaden them. Because that seems to me playing loose with words. Again, what I'm arguing is that the Bible has very strict parameters for marriage. Mar- you, man should not separate. Two people that have been joined together by God, okay? But because of sin, sometimes divorces are necessary, okay? And what I'm saying is what Paul and Jesus, the exceptions that they give are not the only exceptions. So to help see why I say that, the Old Testament helps us here, okay? One of the places that people will go is Malachi 2.16, right? Mm, Yeah. Where it says God hates divorce. That's one translation of it. Now, the other translation doesn't make it any more pleasant. So Malachi 2.16 says, For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. The alternative translation is, The Lord, the God of Israel, says that he hates divorce and him who covers his garments with violence. So, even if you understand it as God hating divorce, my argument would be that God would hate adultery more. God would hate abandonment more. God would hate abusing your spouse more. We can't use just just because it says God hates divorce. Yes, God hates divorce. Jesus is very strict about marriage, right? So God wants people to stay married. But this still doesn't kill the idea that there are there are reasons because of sin that one may seek a divorce. So God says he hates divorce in Malachi 2.16, or calls it covering yourself with violence. Yet, when Abraham had a concubine named Hagar, God told him to send her away. And if you look up that word, send her away, in Hebrew, it's the exact same word that's translated as divorce. If you look in Ezra, The people in Ezra's time had married foreign wives, and it was God's idea that they divorce their wives because they had married foreign wives, which was sinful. Um, And in Jeremiah chapter 3, God says he divorces Israel for their unfaithfulness. So I say all that to say that while God says he hates divorce and it's covering your garments with violence— it's not an absolute thing because God is telling God told Abraham to send his concubine away. 
God told the people in Ezra's day to divorce their foreign wives because what they did was sinful by marrying those foreign wives. They already had one wife, and he told them to divorce the other. So I think we see from a whole Bible perspective that it's not as cut and dried as these are the only two reasons to get divorced. But, again, the Bible is very strict in in giving acceptable reasons to divorce. You can't just add anything there. So any thoughts on that and then a... We need to discuss one other thing, I think. No, I think that is, I think just the reiteration is the important part in that while God hates divorce, even if you can use that translation of Malachi 2, you can also make the argument God hates all sin. Yeah. And so. He hates adultery. Right. He, he hates, hates abuse. Right. <laughs> hates and, being abandoned. And so I think the important part to just keep reiterating is. We're not arguing that somehow divorce is, as long as there's these simple parameters, it's okay to get divorced. That It's a very strict construction parameter of what is accept, what's an acceptable reason to get divorced. But there are those reasons, and the idea that you're just supposed to endure the sin that would come from abuse or adultery, or abandonment, or addiction, or for anything else, that somehow that's okay, I think is a stretch of what God's called people to. Yeah. And this is the problem, because a lot of people hesitate when it comes to abuse. A lot of Christians hesitate when it comes to abuse, because it's not explicitly mentioned in the Bible as an acceptable reason. While I admire a person's wanting to stay faithful to Scripture, I don't think they're, by refusing to say it's okay to get divorced in a case of abuse, I don't think they're really sticking to, I don't think they're being faithful to Scripture. They're being faithful to the letter, maybe, but they're not getting the overall tenor of what the whole Bible teaches about divorce. And if you have any questions or comments, we didn't explain it well enough, feel free to ask us for clarification. Maybe we'll do another episode on this because it's important. It is. Um, And I I feel so strongly about it because I've seen so many stories of of pastors and lay people encouraging women to stay in abusive situations, and that's hurtful for those women and possibly the children involved and endangers their lives. And it's a harmful witness to the church because everybody knows intuitively that you shouldn't stay in an abusive situation. We don't give up the right to self-defense because we're Christians or because we're married or something like that. And one of the ways to defend yourselves is to get out of the situation and separate yourself from the person causing you the harm. So I I think it's a very, very serious issue we need to think thoroughly and biblically about and not just give pat answers pat surface answers to. So the other thing we need to talk about briefly is when I'm talking about abuse, I mean physical abuse. It's not that I don't think there are probably situations where verbal and emotional abuse would be acceptable reasons. Because they are more subjective, that's getting into specific counseling situations that Matthew and I can't deal with in generalities. And I especially can't deal with because I'm not trained in that. We're, we're talking about physical abuse, which is pretty objective. Right. 
a husband lays a hand on his wife to cause her physical harm, that's physical abuse. We don't have to debate and argue about what physical abuse is. Um, so we're we're talking about physical abuse. So do you have anything to add since you're more well, I would in say, tune with counseling stuff? I would say, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, my argument would be there's never a reason for a spouse to put their hands on another on their on their spouse in anger period end of sentence stop so if that occurs there there is a simplified definition of what abuse is, physical abuse is so if that happens then at that point what what should occur is the spouse who was abused should do everything in their power to get out of that situation and so that's step one I would wholeheartedly agree with you that emotional or verbal abuse, while I think they can, you can get to the place where they rise to divorce situations, I think that's a little bit more tricky. Because, that, re- that requires wisdom right. in dealing with a specific situation. Right. And just to like brush against it, so the, there's one other, sexual abuse is the last type of abuse, abuse, and I'll just go ahead and put my codes on the table i think it's actually possible to have sexual abuse inside of a marriage and if that happens it's it to me that rises to the same level as physical abuse you get out well it's physical but right it, right <laughs> right right but just just to I split laugh it, but. right just to split the two because i think that sometimes people don't get the difference they hear physical abuse and what they hear is domestic violence right and that's all they think and there is that other side too and so the most important thing is to get to safety and then begin the process of evaluating okay what needs to happen i don't think that this gets kind of complicated and people can disagree with me i don't think that just because physical abuse happens one time that that automatically means that marriage has to end and it's over again right that's it, another place that requires wisdom right. and thinking through. I think to say it broadly with the time we have left, I think that's the most important piece is I think so. the struggle we have is we don't exercise wisdom. And instead, so instead of exercising wisdom, we want black and white. We want black and white again. And so, we, and so that means we need to surround ourselves with people who will help us exercise wisdom, whether that's elders, whether that's other members in the church. But it also means that... If physical abuse happens, I should report it to the authorities and not the yes. governmental authorities because it needs dealt with because it's violation of both God's law, but it's also a violation of the civil law. The right. government and so you're not doing anyone any favors by trying to hide it or take care of it yourself. If and just get a divorce and we don't have to talk about it. That's not helping any such anyone because ultimately the abuser maybe right well, even <laughs> even then even then you can make the argument it's not even helping the abuser because ultimately you're allowing the abuser to not have to deal with his, their their sin and so one of the ways in which we deal with our sin is by means of the government and that's right. one of the and so this is a broader conversation but just to lay some of that out it's because it's not just a sin it's also a crime correct and criminal offenses need to be reported to the appropriate authorities. Correct. Knowing that ultimately criminal offenses, God uses criminal offenses in, in our lives to hopefully 
show us the error of our ways. That's a little bit more, but in the time we have. Yeah. Hopefully, this is a, just a theoretical discussion. Correct. For people who are listening. But if it's not a theoretical discussion, it's something that you're actually going through. We encourage you, as Matthew said, to do what it takes to get be safe and then uh, report it to the appropriate authorities and find help from your local church. Yeah. And as much as we are... Hope is is a theoretical discussion. The stats dictate that it will, unfortunately, it occurs much more often in churches than we should be comfortable with. So as we close, God calls and values the marriage covenant, but because of the hard-heartedness of sin, he allows specific parameters whereby divorce is all right. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to questions, comments, dreaded or hopeful hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship. We are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.